I'm on podcast listeners. Welcome to the Modern Society podcast. I am so incredibly excited about this new season of the podcast. I inadvertently took a little bit of time off to kind of just get myself back to where I needed to be creatively. Um, So I'm going to give you a little update before I get started on anything else in the podcast. Um, Well, I have told many of you listeners and um, online, (laughs) Instagram, that I have been going through some medical issues and they really sent me into a spiral. So this summer, actually after the first of the year, the first of the year I started off with this plan. I was working really hard on it and without me realizing one of my medicines got changed from name brand to generic. I didn't think that was a big deal because all of the numbers kind of matched up and I didn't think anything of it. Well, it did. It changed me a lot. I really was not doing well and I don't really think that I could see it, but my husband could see it from the outside and said, you know, I really think that we should address this. So we did. And I said, you know, he said, what has changed? And that was one thing that had changed. So I got back on name brand and I also started another medicine that I had been putting off starting because I just wanted to think that I could do everything myself and I could be this person that I wanted to be. And I, I don't know, I I just really didn't want to take the medicine, to be honest with you. I feel better. I'm so sad that I didn't do this before now um, with trying the new medicine. I really feel like the combo of going back to name brand and then trying this new medicine. I've been working out with my gym partner, trying to do three days a week. Sometimes we only do two. Sometimes we do four. But and not anything crazy. We just show up at the gym and do a mile walk. And then we're like, okay, what are we going to do today? And get our heart rate up, get going. And that has really helped. So I feel a lot better. And I'm really sad that there were several months that I was just in a fog. I was in a not good place. I was really incredibly sad um, and just depressed. So I'm feeling a lot better. I feel a lot like myself these days, and I cannot tell you how happy that makes me feel. So I'm back, (laughs) I hope, and I hope it stays. And I have some things coming in the works as far as sponsors and people that I want to work with. An amazing guest, amazing guest. Now, when I started this podcast, I really wanted it to be where I shared stories of the people in this community. And I know that sometimes it seems like I just have people on that have things to promote. And I'm sorry if it is that way. I love helping people promote their things. I really, really do. And in that we share their story. But that's not necessarily everything that I want this podcast to be, I guess. I want it to be the makers and the creatives in this community whether they have something to promote or not. So that is kind of where I'm going. There will be some where they're like, hey, I have a new book out or a new fabric line, and we will talk about that. And then there are going to be some where it's just like, hey, I'm a creative, and maybe I have an online shop, or maybe I don't have anything. I'm just a creative, and all I have is an Instagram account. I want to talk to all of those people. I want to talk to every person that inspires me in this community so that maybe a listener will be inspired in their own life to you know, pull out a project or 
listen to me say I wasn't in a good spot and I didn't want to take medicine because I thought that I could do everything myself and go, you know what, I, I don't have to do it all myself. I can give in and that is okay. Life is not perfect. There are other people out there who have struggles like you and maybe this podcast will shed light on some of those struggles by the guests who are on or by my story. So that is what I want this podcast to be. That is the direction that I'm going. I want you to be inspired by life stories, whether it be mine or the guests that come on. Um, so that's it. I'm really excited. I'm excited about the people that I have coming up. I'm excited about some of the things that I'm doing and I'm ready to get back on track. It's really sad to me that I started with, I really do have a whole book proposal already written out and then I was going to break that down and release it as patterns. And then I just went through that period of not feeling well and doubting myself, doubting every single thing that I did. So now I'm ready to kind of get back on track and not be sad about the time loss, but just focus on the future and try and get those things done. So you will be hearing from me about those things coming up soon. Um, and my sponsors, Sulky is one of those brands that I am so incredibly happy to be working with. Their threads are the ones that I go to all of the time. 50 weight cotton and steel thread. I'm, I know you guys are like, I know Sulky has other things in their wheelhouse than that. I know that they do too. And I use all of those things, but my consistent every single time I sit down at my sewing machine thing that I use is cotton and steel 50 weight thread. It is the best thread. It works flawlessly in my sewing machine. It works flawlessly when I long arm and I just cannot be happier. And yes, I have asked Kelly who I work with at Sulky Threads to get me some big cotton and steel spools. Maybe that is in the pipeline. I hope it is because I would love to have a huge spool of my favorite yellow. <laughs> um, all right. So Sulky, thank you so much for being a sponsor. If you use Sulky products, please let them know that you really appreciate their sponsorship of this podcast. And also Havel Sewing. Havel's is so incredibly kind to me. They are so incredibly kind to our community and have great products. They have a pink reversible cutting mat that I love. I recently got one of their big rulers and have fallen in love with it. It is my go-to ruler, although my modern society one is too, but this one is bigger. I love it for cutting big chunks of fabric. And I'm not going to lie. I know they have a new 50, 45 millimeter rotary cutter, but the 60 millimeter is still my favorite. I Love it. I love that it can cut through so many layers of fabric. And their snips are always by my sewing machine to use. So HavelSewing.com, if you use the code Modern Society 7, you will be able to get $7 off a $25 order. And when you say, gosh, $25, uh, their prices are amazing. And you're going to get a lot for that $25 order. So go and check them out. And also Love Patchwork and Quilting, the amazing modern quilting magazine from the UK. And sometimes in the States, it's really hard to get. So if you want to get Love Patchwork and Quilting delivered, delivered directly to your house, put in your mailbox so you can check that mail and have happy mail and see that magazine in there, sit down on your couch or whatever, and 
look through all of the beauty that it is, you can do that now. So it's a 78% savings on an annual subscription for U.S. readers, and you pay only $39.95 to get 13 issues a year. It's a huge savings of almost $142, seriously, right to your door. That is such a good price. You can call 800-428-3003 and use the code LPQS, or you can just click on modernsociety.com and there should be a banner for the magazine. If you have trouble, just email me. There's a contact form on modernsociety.com and I'll help you out. This amazing offer is just too good. So I've had many listeners who have been very pleased with how easy it is to order, that it comes on time, and how it takes them not having to track one of the issues down anymore because it just comes right to their house. So make sure that you go and check them out. So I have to say that Cricket isn't a sponsor of mine, but I went to their mountain makeathon and I haven't talked about it yet, but I have the Cricut Maker and it cuts fabric and it cuts chipboard and it cuts um, paper and it draws on paper and it draws on fabric and you name it, it has sticker paper and vinyl. I mean, there are the projects are endless with this Cricut Maker machine. I am so impressed with it and I can't wait to keep experimenting. Many of my guests coming up have used one or have one or are an influencer, not all of them. I'm not going to have an info commercial, but I just think it is such an awesome tool and one that you would really like to have in your sewing room. Trust me, Christmas is coming up. Not going to lie, you should put it on your list. So thank you, Cricut. If you are interested in getting your own maker, let me know. I want to share it with you and help you to figure out the um, the best package. They usually have sales and you can kind of get um, some different things with the Cricut maker. So I just really had a great time. I can't wait, hopefully, to go back and teach at the Mountain Makeathon again. It was a lot of fun. All right. Today's guest, we recorded in advance, and it is Leslie from Home Day Studios. I admire Leslie's work. I love what she does, and I could not wait for her to come on and have a chat with me. We recorded this several months ago, so some things, um, I don't think many things are going to be time-sensitive, but one thing that she has done since we chatted is start her newsletter, and it is awesome. It is really such a good newsletter. So make sure and go over to Home Day Studios and check Leslie's workout and also sign up for her newsletter. I think that you will really enjoy it. Um, all right, so enjoy this, and I will talk to you again in a minute. And listeners, I'm so glad to be back. Thank you for all of your support. I'm so happy to begin this space again. Hello, listeners. We have a fun guest today that I've followed for a while on Instagram, and I just wanted to get to know her more. I love her feed. I love what she does, and I wanted to learn more about her process and how she sells her handmade goods, and I thought it would be a great podcast chat for you listeners to get more information if this is a step that you want to take. So welcome, Leslie Hill from Home Day Studio. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. I can't wait to learn more about you, Leslie. I think that you have definitely mastered the pretty Instagram feed. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a lot of work, I have to admit. It does take more work than I ever would have thought. Isn't that funny how you, like, I mean, I look at your feed and go, oh, she just snaps these pictures. Not true. No. Mm -mm. So do you take them on your big camera and then upload them? 
I do a few things. I use um, uh, an app that helps me kind of upload them, and then I can plan out the grid to make it look the way I want it to look. No way. Um, so, yeah, I feel kind of guilty because I know Instagram should be, you know, in the moment and spontaneous. But on the other hand, like there are days that go by where I don't take any pictures and then yeah. there are days that go by that I take tons. So I just find, you know, that works for me. And then I don't have to do that. Like, you know, it's three o'clock. Yeah. What am I going to take a picture of and what am I going to post? Because, um, you know, when I do that, I find it just takes me. Like it, it can take hours out of a day if you're taking a photo, editing it, coming up with a caption. It can take so much time. So I think this is just, it just helps me to be more efficient. Okay. So what is this app? Because everybody um, needs to I know. Use, I use Planoly. So I think Planoly. it's P-L-A-N-O-L-Y. Yeah. So it's free. I think it gives you about 30 um, uploads in a month. So if you're posting once a day, that that's enough. And then it's like this grid. So I have like, I probably have like 20, 30 pictures uploaded at any time. And then I can just drag them around. That is so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Try it. I will. (laughs) Now I know. Now you're letting us in on all your secrets. Um, Exactly. All right, Leslie, I kind of want to, let's back up and since mm-hmm. I, I can just deep dive in sometimes. So let's go back and learn a little bit more about you and how you kind of came into being a creative who sews. Um, so how did that all work? Yeah. Did you grow up in a, a creative home or what? Um, I, you know, my parents didn't, like, I didn't see my parents making crafty things per se. Um, you know, they both worked full time. They were, you know, they were civil servants before they retired. Um, but you know, our house was always, you know, there was uh, people were taking photos and there was map collections on the walls and there was, you know, people, my parents enjoyed making good food and they enjoyed decorating. So I think I certainly had an eye for, you know, putting nice things in your home Mm -hmm. and kind of appreciating where things come from and where things are made. So, And then again, I was one of those kids that was always like crafting, like most kids, but probably to the extreme, like I'm going to make my dad a diorama today or I'm going to (laughs) make my mom like a little pin cushion, even though she doesn't really sew. So I was always doing that. And then I think, you know, starting to sew came when I was a teenager and, you know, I'm almost 40. So I grew up, my teenagers were before the internet. So, you know, and I was in a small town. So if I wanted cool different things I had to make them so that's really like how I learned to sew I kind of taught myself I sewed a lot of really awful outfits (laughs) but just like you know I was 15 I didn't care what people thought so I mean I would make like I would buy ties at like a Goodwill and then I'd stitch them together to make a skirt you know and they were probably like safety pinned together at the waist (laughs) but but it was it was great because Again, there was no, there was kind of an internet, but there was no e-commerce. Yeah. So there was no way to order fabric or buy things. So, you know, I think it was like I created stuff as just a means to have nice things that were different from other people. Um, Please Um, tell me that there were some NC Hammer pants that you made. Oh, totally. Okay. Totally. I mean. Brunchies, neon. (laughs) Yes. Like I, yeah, yeah. And I remember you know, doing like 
applique, like applique monsters on t-shirts. And it would take me, you know, it would take me like a month to make this applique t-shirt, but nobody had it. Everyone thought it was cool. And that's what I did as a teenager, you know? Um, so it was pretty, like, I wish I had saved more stuff. I think when I was in my early twenties, I just got rid of it because I didn't think it was cool anymore, but I wish I could have saved it just to see like, even what my sewing skills were like almost 20 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. No, I totally get that. My mom made me a lot of clothes growing up and none of them. We have nothing. And I have two daughters and I'm like, mom, like you hoard everything else. Could we not hoard the handmade? (laughs) Exactly. I know. I wish I had saved all that stuff, but Yeah. yeah, I just chucked it at some point. So and I don't even think I have many pictures because, again, you know, we right. we didn't have, like, iPhones. We didn't take as many pictures back then. And I feel then like I'm sounding old. If you but. did, then, oh, I love it. I love it because, you know, I kind of miss this for my children. Um, yeah. You know, like the taking a picture and having to wait on it to get developed. And then you had to wait totally. on your parents to decide to take you because people didn't just go anywhere exactly. back then. Yeah, and yeah. you get like twenty four photos, and yeah. half of them be blurry or yes. have like the thumb <laughs> yeah. over the lens. So, but yeah, it was so exciting if you got like two decent pictures, and there was no editing your photos. Back oh then. no, no, Mm-mm. it so. is what it is. Um, so then, did you yeah. after high school do? Uh, did you go to college and do something creative or? Yeah, I've done a lot of different things. Um, So, you know, I was 18. I was in a small town. I decided to move to Toronto. And I did like a two-year, like a fairly technical course in industrial sewing, pattern drafting. And it was really focused on garment construction. And it was really, um, it was really hard. (laughs) Like, you know, we would make like jackets and blazers and all these fancy types of pockets. Um, and I wish I had a lot of those skills still because it was, you know, my sewing skills were really wonderful back then for making all those garments. Um, but then, you know, it was doing that course that I realized I liked making more home stuff. Um, you know, I'd rather make pillowcases and quilts and curtains than, you know, a blazer. Um, so I got, you know, I still did creative stuff on the side and that's kind of when I got into quilting but then I went to school for totally other things like I went to university after that I became a nurse um, and I did that for you know 10 plus years Um, but I found it was really like that creative part of me I wanted to do more like Mm -hmm. I've been making quilts all that time but I just found like you know being a public health nurse is it's rewarding in so many ways, but it wasn't creative at yeah. all. So, you know, I got to the point where I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to, it's going to be one of those things in my life that I regret, you know? So that's why I just like, you know, started making stuff, started putting some stuff on Etsy and here I am. So did you keep your nursing job while you started this or did you just go yes. deep dive? Yeah. Uh, I, had my nursing job when I started this and then two kids as well. So it was, it was crazy. Like there was so much stuff going on. So now I work, you know, very like part-time casual as a nurse and I'm doing this a lot more. Um, 
yeah, I love being a nurse and there's so many great things about it. I always want to keep, you know, keep my nursing license, but yeah, if I can spend the bulk of my time making things and sewing and teaching classes, that's, that's where I want to be. I love that. I love that. And thank you for being a nurse. My grandma was a nurse. It takes thank a special you. person to be a nurse. <laughs> it really does. It does. Yeah. It does. I remember yeah. my grandma could just leave. She worked in the ER too. Like she could oh, wow. leave that in the ER and come home to five kids. Well, at that time it wasn't five kids. I mean, they were grown and I was her grandkid, but I remember, yeah. I mean, it takes a special person. So thank you for being that public for servant. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, like it's, you know, you put yourself out there a lot. You're talking to people, you're, you're working with people when they're often in, in crisis. Yeah. And so being able to just go home, really not talk to anyone and so, and make things I think is so like therapeutic. Oh, and I yeah. know a lot of people craft for that reason. Right. Yeah. Well, so you went and so your first step was putting things on Etsy and yeah. gosh, so when did you do that? Like back when Etsy was I, pretty new? No. So I have purchased stuff on Etsy since like 2008. Um, and everyone was always like, you need to put these on Etsy. You need to sell things. But I only really started doing it about probably about three years ago. Um, and I started, I started just with simple, like I was doing a lot of indigo dyeing. So I would make indigo dyed, um, tea towels, indigo dyed table runners, you know, a couple, like a couple quilts in there, but it was kind of like, you know, just put a bunch of stuff out there and see what sells and what works. Yeah. So what, what did you learn from that? What was the one thing that kind of stuck for you? Because I always think that's interesting. I th I don't think the things that I think that will stick are the ones that do sometimes, which is surprising and sometimes disappointing. Oh, for sure. For sure. And there are things that still like are my best sellers, but I don't want to be my best seller. Yeah. Yeah. I sound right. But you know, like my, I, I, sell, I still sell. So I have my, my actual website and then I have my Etsy site. And so I have, I have more stuff on my Etsy site, um, but I sell these like indigo dyed table runners that um, they just sell and sell like, and they're my big seller, um, you know, and I didn't, I didn't anticipate that at all. Um, and then pricing was the big thing I learned from it too, right? Like how to price your things so that you don't, you know, so that when you get an order, you're not like, ah, I have to make that again, right? That you feel right. like, yes, this is so worth my time. Right. And all those things like, you know, packaging and going to the post office and like all those little things you kind of have to add into your, how you're pricing something. So that was a big lesson. And I've, I mean, Etsy was, Etsy's been great and I will, I'm sure I will always sell on Etsy, but like, you know, just slowly increasing my prices so that you know, it really makes sense for me to spend time making these things. Yeah. So what, what was your beginning process? I think that is the big hang up for so many people, including myself. My husband has told me so many times, like you need to sell quilts. And I'm like, it's just mm -hmm. not, I mean, cause I like to make big quilts and big quilts are going to be pricey yes. and nobody's going to want to pay for what I actually have in it. So I think pricing is one of the 
the hardest things for someone, especially who makes handmade items? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, quilts are so hard to price and, uh, I mean, you're a quilter, like, you know, that a quilt can, can take so many hours. Like if you're, if you're making a large king or queen size quilt, it should be a good amount of money. And it's very hard to compete with, you know, if you can buy a quilt at any, you know, big box store, Um, but I do find, I think it's smart to have like a range of items and I'm really working on doing that as well. So, you know, a, you know, a fifth of your sales might be those big quilts, Mm -hmm. but if you can have other things, you know, like quilted pillows or quilted zipper pouches or throws or, you know, clutches, having different price points for people. Um, and I also find that people, do come back. So sometimes people would buy a small little something. And, you know, I think having great customer service is important. I try to put in a little, a little something, a little thank you note, a little freebie, like whether it's like a lavender sachet or something. And then those people are often the ones that come back and will approach me for like a custom quilt. So I, I think that's a good um, strategy to have different price points. So let's say, um, let's just say you have a zippered pouch that you mm-hmm. haven't put, you haven't listed it before and you're going to list it. How is your process to keep track of the exact material list and how much each one of those costs and your time, how, how, and then, yeah. you know, then you have to add on to that for your hours. How, how does that mm-hmm. price work into what you're actually making yeah so so there's a few different pricing strategies and again I could probably charge more (laughs) but so I certainly do keep track of all my supplies you know how much does this zipper cost you know if I've bought a yard of um, you know this cotton fabric or $15, how many approximate clutches could I make out of this yard? So I do that. And then I also time myself, which sounds kind of nutty, but I will like for the first one that I'm making, I don't time myself because that's just kind of experimenting. But then for the second or third one, I will set a stopwatch and I will press start. And then I'll stop it when I pause or if my kids, you know, or if I'm getting a phone call or my kids are interrupting me, but then I will, time it exactly and that's often really revealing like you sometimes you can think I can whip this up in 20 minutes and really it's like you know 45 or 50 yeah. minutes <laughs> um, but then then also realizing you know if you can make something in bulk that's going to cut down on your production time as well yeah. like so that, where you can assembly helps. line it exactly exactly you know because like all that time of like winding a new bobbin or switching your 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 sewing machine feet or all those things add into the time. So if you can do kind of like a bulk assembly line, that helps as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I certainly think of like my hourly wage, like what should I be getting paid? And I certainly think I can, you know, we can always probably as creative people, we can always pay ourselves more, but you know, you shouldn't be making $2 an hour, yeah. right? You should be making, I don't know, like it depends where you live and, you know, your currency, but even like, I don't know, $15, $20 an hour, like you should be making that, right? 
And it's so, funny that there is like, you know, like maybe it should be my plumber charges me $95 to show up to my house. And then, know. you know, like, I'm sorry, plumber. I, I love my plumber. He's amazing. I love them. Seriously. They're my favorite people. My then. husband's a plumber. <laughs> but <laughs> why is the guilt? And I do think that it is guilt. I do think that we second guess, uh-huh. like, you know, maybe that's how much you No, like th- this is yeah. like, this is the wage. And it's okay to say that you're no different than another tradesperson. All right. Totally. Sorry. Totally. <laughs> sorry for that no, objection. <laughs> I can rant about that. You know, I think it has a lot to do, like I did like a minor in women's studies, but I think it has a lot to do in about like women's work and how we value these things that women do or traditional women's art, you know? Um, But I so agree. And, you know, and if you, you know, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of us crafters kind of like do an injustice to others when we price our stuff so low. Yeah, I really agree with that. I think if you don't, I mean, I've heard so many people say they go on Etsy and they look at what they're selling and then they, you know, search for that and get a good in-between price and that's how they come up with it. That is Mm -hmm. better to me than just Mm -hmm. saying, I think that my neighbor would pay $20. That is not doing anyone any good because then it's a whole community that you're disservicing. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. And thinking about, you know, who your audience is, right. And, you know, you can't, you can't compete with Walmart or Target. Like you just can't compete. So don't try to compete. And if you price your stuff so low, you're going to, you're just going to burn out and not want to get anymore. Um, I don't know where I heard it, but it was probably some course I took about pricing. Um, but it, the speaker said something about like, if you double your prices and lose half your sales, you're still making the same amount of money. Right. Yeah. So I try to think about that. And then, so if I'm doubling my prices and losing half my sales, I'm still making the same amount, but then it frees up all that time to do other things like developing products or photographs or, you know, yeah. So, you know, and then there's the whole, and I don't, I don't sell wholesale yet, but I may at some point, but then, you know, if you're going to be doing wholesale, you need to, you know, after, again, after you've accounted for profit or your overhead, then you're going to even need to be doubling that price Yeah. or retail if you're going to be doing wholesale. So <laughs> again, I could probably price higher if I followed all those things but you know it's something to think about yeah and you probably at this point kind of know your audience and know that it's a comfortable place um Mm -hmm. you know where you're at and what your pricing is I don't think that you price really low so um Mm -hmm. you know I think that it is it, it it's definitely so I guess for me Etsy, having an Etsy shop and having your online shop, do you find that people that go to Etsy go to your website or, I mean, I don't know how you would know that, but um, yeah, do you find like there's I, a good over overage when you have that Etsy yeah. shop? Yeah, I find, um, I find a lot of people just, and again, it's hard to know where people are coming from. I think if I really tried to figure out analytics, I might have a better sense. I find a lot of shoppers on Etsy just kind of stumble upon me and then they say, Oh, I like her stuff. Etsy's great because it lets you show ratings. 
right? And so that really helps to build credibility. But I think for Etsy, you know, there's so many people who just go there to shop and then they find you. Mm-hmm. Whereas my own website, I mean, you have to drive all that traffic. So things like, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, having blog posts that you kind of put out there and hope people come back to your website. Um, that's where I think the traffic comes from. Um, but I also think, you know, it's, again, I think Etsy is awesome and I'll always sell on Etsy, but um, I wonder if you do get um, maybe more of a budget shopper, like people looking for deals on Etsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also find, you know, if you go on Etsy at the bottom of your listing, it will say, here are similar items and it will link to other shops. Yeah. Right. So that's right. something just to keep in mind with Etsy. Um, but again, that being said, I think it's such an, such a great spot to start selling your things and it's like zero commitment. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like you can't, you can't lose. So, um, photographs, I think that you take amazing photographs. Is that something that, Thank you. Oh, excuse me. Is that something that, um, that you've had to work on or is that a natural thing for you? Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean, I feel like you just do such a phenomenal job. Thank you. Yeah, I have definitely worked on them. (laughs) I look at some of my older product shots and it's, yeah, not, um, not great. Um, I took a online photography class through creative live. It was like product photography. Uh Um, And that was really helpful. Um, But it's something that, you know, I I do that course. I look at a lot of tutorials. I have have a studio and my studio mate is a photographer. So that's been really helpful. Um, Yeah, so that's really good. Befriend a photographer. That's that's my tip for photography. Mine moves. Um, So I'm... (laughs) Oh, no. What what happens when that happens? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I just feel... Like you have mastered the flat image, which I think is a really hard one right. for so many people that make your quilts look so professional, yeah. and so um, anthropology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quilts are tough. Um, and so what I did in January, actually, is I had some professional photographs taken. And again, this is my... my um, studio mate Camilla B photography she's on Instagram she's lovely but I hired her to take some photos of my products when I was launching my website um and it was so worth it it wasn't nearly as expensive as I thought but she was so efficient like and she had the right setup she had a studio space she had a great camera um and, you know, for a couple hour photo shoot, she, she photographed all my quilts. She photographed lifestyle pictures of me and my quilts. Um, so that's what most of those on my website are her photography. And then I also kind of mix in some of her photographs for Instagram. Yeah. So, you know, I like I enjoy doing photography and I do a good amount of my own for Instagram, but just in terms of efficiency and having beautiful images, I, I would really recommend looking around for a photographer. Yeah. You know, even someone who's, you know, just out of school or just starting up. Um, but, you know, I think it's money well spent. And if you're going to be 
selling things online, you need amazing pictures. You yeah. just do. Yeah, you do. It um, really, you know, I've been watching several um, pattern makers lately mm-hmm. that it, it, it's not, it, it's not like I think they're doing anything groundbreaking. I just think they're really good at photography and marketing. And I think that in this day and age, that is going to take you so much more than the unique product. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about pricing, you know, if you're going to sell your stuff at a higher um, price point, the people, people who are in that bracket, they want beautiful pictures, they want crisp graphics, they want a nice fresh logo. So all of those things are going to help you appeal to that demographic. Yeah. So, you know, if you, I hate to say it, but you know, if it's like a dark, image it's a bit blurry it's on a dark background like you're just not going to be able to attract that kind of audience who will spend that kind of money on your product yeah yeah I totally agree with that I think it has so much to do with what is going on right now online um Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy to, to be honest. It is. It, it's so yeah. funny. I, I've talked to people who started out on Etsy, like when it began lately and, or blogged, you know, when blogs were new and I'm like, Oh, those were the good days. Like I really feel like it was more about writing and sharing information and having this product. It had more to do with that personalization of that's your audience and you're serving them than it had to do right. with anything else. Oh, I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I sometimes feel a bit of, um, I don't know. I mean, Instagram has become so polished and beautiful and sometimes like you know, you just want to post a photo of your really messy house yeah. or your messy yeah. whatever that's uh. not brightened or anything. But, you know, that just doesn't, I mean, if you think of it as a business, that just doesn't fly, yeah. you know, and it's, but it's hard. Like you struggle with feeling not very authentic. Yeah. So I don't know what the balance is, but, but I agree. Like I think back to, you know, when I first read blogs, when people were posting things on liquor, it was very, very different than it is now. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, it's funny that you say it's worth your time to get a photographer. Like that's not like it's just a quarter of having something that you put online. You have to write a description. You have to tag all of Mm -hmm. your photos to be the right thing. And then you have to put them out there and you have to pin them and then you have to schedule. Like there is so much involved with one thing. Um, I agree. I think that that takes a lot off of your shoulders to have to worry about photographing and doing the edits. And I would even say if you don't have someone to reach out to, or if you, or if you don't have the money, um, Mm -hmm. reach out to someone and say, Hey, I really like what you do. I'm getting started. Would you like to barter? Here are my products. This is something that we could barter until I get my feet you know, on the ground and I'm running and then Mm -hmm. let's, we could do something else. But I do feel like a photographer is a creative as well and struggles probably just like you do and would understand that you needed to barter at first. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's such a good idea. Yeah. So
So, okay, your products, I think that you do something really fun with your products and you um, give back with every purchase. So I wanted to bring that up because I think that that's cool that you do that. And I also wanted listeners to hear how you can have a business online and also use that business to give back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we donate, um, I think, yeah, 5% of the proceeds to, it's like a nonprofit, international nonprofit. It's called Days for Girls. Um, and it distributes these like hand-sewn, handmade feminine hygiene kits to girls and women around the world. And these are often women who are using like leaves and old rags to manage their feminine hygiene, you know, and it's also, they also do a lot of work around um, community education. Um, Cause again, in a lot of these areas, there's stigma, you yeah. know, you don't want someone who's menstruating in your house. So you need to be outside for those few days. So, you know, it's just a cause that I really love. I'm a, public health nurse. I do a lot of women's health. So it was something that really um, resonated with me. And I thought it was kind of a great organization to support. Yeah, I really love that you do that. And um, I think that's such a great cause. And I will have a link to Days for Girls if you want to check it out um, in the show notes, listeners, to make sure and go check that out. So you are changing things up a little bit. I saw on um, your website, and I think maybe you mentioned it on Instagram too, but you're going to be doing some workshops um, this summer, which I think is really interesting because I think you're such an eclectic person business owner? I mean, I I don't think that you just do quilts and I don't think you just do pouches or I think, and you do your indigo dyeing. So I'm really curious to know what the the workshops are going to look like and give us some details. I mean, you never know. Somebody might be in your, where you're going to have them and close by and they can come or somebody might be interested in just flying there just for you. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. Um, yeah, so I recently took the plunge and got my own studio space. So again, I'm sharing it with a friend. Um, but up until now I've been sewing in my, in our fourth bedroom. Um, and so I felt like having my own space might help with a bit of work-life separation. Um, and then in, in this space, we have this beautiful light filled large room. So we, we are going to be offering some workshops this summer and I'm in Guelph, Ontario. So it's just, Um, just west of Toronto. Um, But yeah, I'm doing a whole bunch of workshops. So we're going to do indigo dyeing. We're going to be doing pom-poms and tassels. We're going to be doing a bit of punch needling. Um, I'm also going to be kind of trying out some sewing workshops. We really don't have much in our city that does sewing. And I was thinking just like um, a fun, no pressure befriend your sewing machine kind mm-hmm. of class for people who just want some basic skills about like threading, yeah, you know, winding your bobbin, simple seams, um, and then making, we're going to make some really cool, like modern throw pillows. Oh, I love yeah, that. So I'm, yeah. Yeah. I love, um, I really enjoy teaching and I think, you know, helping people to develop the skills of making so that they can you know, have a new hobby or have a new project that they want to work on is something that, that we're really excited about. Yeah. I love that. Okay. You said punch needling. I'm so won't, this is like the new thing and I want to try it so bad. It looks 
like so cool. Yes. Yes. I have been, I am newer to it. I took a, um, a punch needle workshop recently with, uh, Buko. She oh, is did you see, did you see yeah. that she has fabric coming out? <gasps> I know she, yeah, I was, I, I was a bit starstruck to be in this workshop with her <laughs> because I've been like admiring her stuff for a long time. Um, so I, and she's been doing just some beautiful stuff with punch needling yes. on her Instagram page. Um, it's very, like, it's nice. I think as sewers, sewists, we have so many, um, tools and supplies and you need to be in your special room, but punch needling, you just kind of take it around and, you know, so portable, you can do it on the train or you can do it in front of the TV. Um, and it's very meditative. Yeah. So stay tuned. I know. For more I'm, about punch I'm really, really wanting to come just for that. Um, I I love that you're going to do this. I I think if you're a teacher, a natural teacher, that is almost the extension when you start to sew that people say, "I can't believe that you made that. I could never do that." And you're like, "No, really, you could." Mm-hmm. And I think that it's your natural yeah. inclination to want to share that. Yeah, you know, and it's you know you. You know, all people who make things are so, you probably hear it so often, like, I don't know how you do that. That's so amazing. And, you know, the majority of us have probably just kind of taught ourselves through a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes, a Mm -hmm. lot of weird outfits we've made. But it's so empowering. It's such a great feeling. And, you know, it's not that hard, right? If you're, if you just have a bit of patience with yourself and the right teacher and the right equipment like it's not that hard at all and I think it's a really great skill you know as we move into this more technological world like I think it's great for you know how to make something or repair something or have our kids know how to do these things as well yeah yeah speaking of kids do your kids um have any interest in in sewing do they come in when you're working and play with the fabric and stuff always fun that my kids love to do that Yes. Yeah. I bought my son. My son is uh, seven. So I bought him just a small little sewing machine for Christmas. And he just was so excited. Um, You know, he made everyone little pillows and stuffed it with, you know, fiber fill. Um, But it's funny, like he keeps saying his name is Ollie. So he keeps saying like, Mom, you need to make me a website called Ollie.com so I can sell this picture. (laughs) He just... He wants to just crank things out and he wants me to put it on his website that doesn't exist. And, you know, he, like, he has that bug of, I can make something and put it out into the world and it will sell. So it's kind of cool. Um, But yeah, I know they're pretty intrigued by my sewing machine and all the things that I'm, I'm making. Yeah. It's definitely fun to have your kids experience you know, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, you, you really don't realize that there are a lot of mamas out there that don't have a, anything creative that they do on the daily. Like this, this isn't mm-hmm. your, and like your friends aren't doing this. And I think mm-hmm. that my kids, it's just so normal for them. You know, that's just what I do. And that's just part of their life. Um, mm-hmm. you know, to have a bedroom that, that one of them, they share a bedroom because I have a, one of the bedrooms as my sewing room. And they're I love like, that. <laughs> no. And my friends are like, oh, they shouldn't be sharing a room. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, really. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's good for kids to share rooms and it's good for 
adults to have hobbies and passions, right? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) That's funny. Um, One thing that I was going to touch base on is in your Instagram, I just feel like you're your knack is beautiful spaces. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, that's something that you grew up with, which makes so much sense now that I look through your Instagram and, and know a little bit more about you, that that's probably just a natural part, you know, of who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I aspire to be a bit more of a minimalist but I am not living in a minimalist home right now. I have, you know, two kids and a husband who really like to hang on to things. Oh my gosh, kids are hoarders. (laughs) Kids are hoarders. (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's driving me a bit nutty. But, um, you know, in an ideal world, I would have kind of a sparse, simple, minimalist home with just, like there's that, I think it's a William Morris quote like have nothing in your house that isn't that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful right like I love that aesthetic of a few simple pared down pieces and things that you really really love yeah yes that is my friend January all day long Mm. (laughs) that is yeah her to a T and which it's not me but I do feel like I I have her sayings like that in the back of my head when I walk around my house and and or decide to you know redo rooms and things like that which summer's coming and I have a good inkling that I'm going to get the itch to totally rearrange my whole house (laughs) yeah yeah it comes in spurts yeah fine as well (laughs) I do and so are you like that do you like to uh to you know rearrange things and people come home and go wait what (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, let's paint this room navy blue or let's paint this room white. Um, Yeah, it's funny. I remember always, like, my brother and I, you know, when we were little, rearranging our bedrooms for fun. And we would do it, like, every few months just to be like, let's see how this bed looks against this wall, you know? So, yeah, I love to do that. I do find, again, like, it's harder when you're living with other people. And, (laughs) you know, you want to strike that balance between... Like, it's everyone's space, right? Like, I have to sometimes stop myself from tidying or getting rid of things that might be important to them that I just see as clutter. Yeah. But it's definitely a balance. Um, But, yeah, like, I I named my company Home Day because I'm kind of obsessed with home stuff and being at home and puttering around the house and all that good stuff. Yeah, I I totally love it. And I will say, I feel like your feed is curated on Instagram, but I love that you throw those little pieces, you know, like your kids aren't always on there, but I do think it's fun when, you know, you have a shot where they're in there, you show a little bit of your house or, um, you know, your travels. I love that you kind of have this happy balance of both of those. Um, And I like that. I think I like that as someone who admires your work. I think that almost it it makes me see the other side of you and not just the product side. So I love that balance that you strike in your feed. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, um, it's hard, right? It is hard. To think about what, yeah, like what does your customer want to see? But you're also, 
you're also a person with like a very complex life, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And it's, you know, and you also, I like, I also don't want to contribute to this idea that life is perfect and easy and there's no family, you know, children squabbling in the background. Like I want it to be somewhat realistic. Um, Cause again, I think we do a disservice when we just pretend like everything is beautiful and airbrushed and yeah. You know, perfect. I have, I tend to put the everyone is screaming or complaining about something on Instagram stories because it's almost like if you're looking at these, just say a little happy prayer for me because, you know, oh my gosh. Yeah, I love that. I think um, Instagram stories is great because it can be a little bit more real. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it can disappear in 24 hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sometimes it's like it needed to disappear in 24 hours. Exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, but I love it. I love that um, that you do have that happy balance, and I think that that's something on all of our minds these days. I mean, it really <laughs> is a hard thing to kind of find as a mom, too, you know, with kids and the privacy and all of that. So I love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think that that's awesome. Okay. I know one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is you, I I feel bad, but you told me that I needed to mention your newsletter. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. So tell me all about your newsletter, what it's going to be. And if you have any newsletters that you really like, we can talk about that, too. Yeah, I love newsletters. I subscribe to a bunch of newsletters. Um, And I'm also, again, like talking about marketing and price point. I think quilts are, they're not an impulse purchase, right? Right. You don't just like go to a craft show and see a king size quilt and say, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars, right? These are things that people need to be reminded about a lot and they need to save up and think about it. So I feel like the newsletter is kind of perfect for that. You kind of send them some information, some, you know, beautiful images just to help them think about that purchase. So that's kind of where I'm coming at from a marketing perspective and kind of a tip for people who are wanting to sell um, handmade things that are maybe a higher price point. Um, But yeah, so I love um, Abby Glassenberg's newsletter, um, While She Naps, is one of my favorites. Um, Austin Cleon has one that I also really like. Um, I'm trying to think the of a kind ones are also good, kind of inspiring. Um, yeah. And then third story workshop is one I, I know you, you interviewed her a little while ago. She's a fellow Canadian. So I really like her, her quilting newsletter. Um, but yeah, so mine is going to be um, kind of inspiration for your home day. So of course I'm going to talk a little bit about my work, but also like links from around the internet about kind of the perfect home day. So things about, um, you know, maybe some recipes, some DIY projects, some visual inspiration for your home. Um, maybe a few like life hacks about living with kids or, managing your busy day, things like that. So it's going to be um, kind of a mix of home day stuff, but also some good links from around the web. I like that. You, um, one of my favorite things that I've uh, saw on Instagram and thought, you know what, one day, one day we'll have this is when you shared um, 
the plaid couch that schoolhouse from schoolhouse yes <gasps> yes yes like I that, that stuff couch. I love <laughs> exactly like just a bit of inspiration for your home right yeah. I have some blog posts about just some design tips and um you know mixing patterns and great house plants for your home that sort of thing yeah yeah, I really like that idea. I think that that is so much fun. And newsletters are are fun. They're a different way for you to talk to your audience. And I go really good. I go really good where I send mine out. And then in months like May, nothing gets done because I think that it's not going to be that bad because my kids aren't out of school. And then it's like the craziest month ever known to man. <laughs> it is. It totally is. It Absolutely. is so crazy. It's like a nothing that you plan it ever goes the way it's supposed to, or there are things that come up that were never planned and you have to do them in exactly. May. Exactly. Yeah. For us, it goes until the end of June, but oh, I wow. know that, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, the end of year gifts and the class mini graduations from kindergarten, all that stuff is oh, yeah. kind of appearing. <laughs> yes, it is bananas. So, um, but I do feel like that is my favorite way to communicate other than the podcast mm-hmm. um, with, you know, readers and listeners. I just think it's, it's just so much fun. It's almost like I wish I could mail in the mail, the physical mail, something to everyone every week. Um, that is how the newsletter feels to me. It's not a bill. I'm not, you know, I mean, it's just fun. Exactly. And yeah, like think of it about how can you give something of benefit to your readers, right? And I think you do an awesome job of that with your podcast and your newsletter. But, um, but yeah, I think people are often hesitant because they think it's, you know, it's salesy and you just have to focus on, sure, you can talk about your, your work or your projects, but also like, what are you going to give to your to your reader, your listener, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's so funny. I actually thought that this summer I might need to put a board in my house because we were watching um, The Voice. So I, I, we did that as a family. We've never watched The Voice before, but somehow as a family, we started watching it this year and my husband got into it with us, which was fun because it was all four of us. And I was watching it last night and, um, I thought, you know what, this is something I need to put on my newsletter. And I I didn't have anywhere to write it, but I think I'm going to put something because there are little things that come up in my everyday life that I think, oh, I need to put this in my newsletter and share this. Everybody would like it. Totally. I read one and I'm totally blanking out on whose it is, but she has, you know, every week it's like what I'm listening to, what I'm reading, yeah. even just like a couple podcasts I've enjoyed series I'm liking like just sharing that stuff I think people really enjoy I love reading that stuff yeah that is my favorite that is my favorite thing to do for the newsletter is just find those little gems um and -hmm. share those so I'm excited that you're doing this and listeners um I will have a link so you can sign up for her newsletter if you would like to do that as well as everything else that we've talked about um you know her shop and the blog and also more information about days for girls, because I think that is something that's really interesting. And I know a lot of listeners, you know, are so giving when it comes to something like that. So that might be a good charity for them to look into helping out. Um, all right, we're at the quick fire questions. And I don't know a lot of these. So I don't know what your answer is going to be. So I'm, I'm curious. Okay. 
All right. So okay. do you use a pattern or do you wing it? Yeah, I wing it. I really do. I like kind of tweak a bunch of different patterns. And, you know, there's so many great tutorials yeah. online. But, yeah, I really, like, I sometimes still have to use a tutorial for certain types of, like, invisible zippers if I haven't used one for a while. But but generally, I, you know, I sketch things down in my graph paper. And then I kind of wing it. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a wing it. And if I use a pattern, I still kind of wing some of it. Totally. I'll tweak <laughs> it. And then yeah. I'll have to, like, change the size of my quilt a little bit to make yeah. it work. Yeah. <laughs> Batting, cotton, bamboo, wool, poly, blends. What you like? I've only ever used cotton. Um, I just like that it is not too lofty just kind of a nice um density for me mm-hmm. um I, ha- I should try wool you should try wool I'm Canadian so I should try some wool you should Maybe I live in Florida winter. because I thought there is no Florida girl that's going to need wool in their quilts <laughs> but let me tell I you totally it is my favorite I love okay. I love how it washed and dried I really really like it Nice. Okay. Yeah. I will give it a try. And I think that um, Hops is a sponsor. I think that they have a cotton wool blend, maybe. I think they have a blend oh. that's not just cotton, and it's not. I think it's okay. a good 50-50. But anyways, I know there are options out there if you don't want to go full on wool. Right. Okay. Um, quilting, long arm or domestic? I have never tried a long arm. I didn't think that you I've had. Just- no, we don't, I don't even know where I would, like, until I, like, unless I bought it, I don't know, like, I wish there was someplace I could rent or try it out for a little bit, but there isn't really anywhere around where I live. Yeah. Um, but I've often, like, I have a bunch of pinned long arm machines that I covet. Um, <laughs> so maybe at some point I'll try, but yeah, I've never used a long arm. I know in the past, this is probably about 10 years ago, I made a huge um, quilt and I pieced it and then I sent it to someone to have it long armed and I just loved how it looked. Yeah, I do too. I, I, for me, it's just easier time-wise. So um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that you should try it if you ever get that chance. If you ever come to Florida, you can just come visit me or I can send you to some shops that I know might have one. That so, sounds good. Yeah, let me know. Um, <laughs> sewing room. Are you a creative mess or clean and organized? I'm clean and organized big time. Like I have a pegboard wall above my um, sewing machine and like everything has its own hook. Like I'm yeah. a bit. I like, love your pegboard when wall. Thank you. Yeah. When I'm making, like it gets crazy because, you know, you have the ironing board out and you're cutting somewhere and piecing in another spot. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, I put everything back on my pegboard and I just love coming into like a clean slate. It makes me feel creative versus having to like move stuff aside and clean up. Yeah. Yeah. Or I just have to, yeah. I think when I start a new project, almost when I get messy, I feel like I am, it almost, stifles my creativity because I walk mm-hmm. in and I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, it, it, it almost stops me. But um, totally. thread, are you cotton or poly? 
Um, I'm kind of, I kind of go back and forth. Yeah. Um, I find there's just so many more colors in polyester. I try to use cotton when I can. Um, but yeah, like it's usually kind of a mix. I don't like, I know they say poly will last so much longer. That being said, like, I don't know if an actual quilt, like if the actual fat cotton fabric will hold up that much longer than a polyester thread, you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. I don't really overthink it. I kind of just, if I can find the color I want, I buy that. Yeah. <laughs> Binding, do you hand or machine bind? I machine bind now. Um, yeah, I, I, like when I first started, I would hand do everything. Um, I'm all about the machine binding. I've kind of, like, it took me a while to get it right. But now that I do it, it's, I love how it looks. I feel good about it just being thrown in the washing machine. Um, yep. Machine binding all the way. Okay. Well, that makes me happy. Um, because you know, okay. part of my club, um, if you could have any other job other than the one that you have sewing, uh, what would you do? Oh, um, well, I feel like I would be, this is kind of a weird job. Um, like I'd work in a museum building exhibits, like a muse. I don't know if that's a museum curator. Yeah. I worked as like a co-op student in a museum when I was 18 and it was just like one of my favorite things. I love it. I know the pay is not great in museums, but I just like just being around all that old stuff and putting together displays. I think that would be my ideal yeah. backup job. I <laughs> love that answer. Um, what has <laughs> been one of your biggest mistakes or challenges and how did you overcome it? Oh, like in business or in life? Um, it whichever one, yeah. Yeah, I feel like you'd have to, you have to um, have me back on in a few years. I feel like I'm still in like the trenches of kind of figuring it out in terms of pricing and um, marketing my business. Um, I think. Let me see. I feel like. Again, pricing's a big one. I feel like um, craft shows are something that I used to do and totally bombed for me just in terms of my um, audience and my demographic. They just weren't at craft shows and they weren't spending at that price point. So I feel like I suffered through a lot of craft shows where I would like mark stuff down because I felt like that's what I should be doing and just spending like, long Saturdays lugging my stuff around. Um, and I did that for a long time. And then I feel like I just, you know, looked at who my um, audience was, who my market was, and just decided, like, I'm not doing that anymore. It's not worth my time. So that was kind of something that I felt a lot of pressure in my area that I should be doing. Um, and I wasn't enjoying it. And I really wasn't making that much money out of it. And so I stopped doing it. So that felt, that felt like a bit of a challenge that I overcame. And then once I said no to craft shows, I felt so much better about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and I think that, um, that would probably change if you lived in a community that had like a really good craft fair scene where, you know, people exactly. went and it was this thing and it was big and you knew people were going to purchase. 
Um, exactly. Yeah, I think that and we don't have that. Yeah, <laughs> I think that you would that that is a good judgment call that you would have to make for yourself, you know, and know that, okay, this might look really good for a lot of other businesses, but it might not be the right fit for mine. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Well, Leslie, I am so excited that I got to learn more about you today and have you on the podcast for a chat. I'm going to continue to follow you and tell you how great you are because I love what you do. I love following you. And I think you're a huge inspiration for me. Um, so thank you. Thank you for coming on and thank you for your awesome work that you share with us. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I love your podcast, but thank you for making what you make as well. All right. I hope that you enjoyed that chat. I tell you, Leslie is such an awesome creative. You can go to the show notes and check out anything that we talked about with Leslie or anything that I talked to Leslie about, you know, how we chatted. (laughs) So go and check out the show notes. There are also sponsor links in there. If you would like to buy from them, make sure and use those links because it kind of lets the sponsors know that you are hearing about them on the podcast. So I need to challenge you. I need to challenge you listeners to share the podcast on your social media, on your blogs, on your Facebook, whatever, because I need to get more people listening. That is what sponsors want to know. How many listeners do you have? How many people are viewing? How many people are buying if I'm sponsoring? So make sure that you let your listenership count with this podcast. It is free and I do not want to make it ever be um, something that you have to buy. So in order to keep it free, go and tell those sponsors, thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Make sure to leave a review for the podcast that helps it to be seen on iTunes. It's super duper easy. And I'm going to get back into reading them. I didn't this time because I know it's probably going to be a little bit longer of a podcast, but make sure you go to iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, and leave a review. I really think that that helps a lot. And use those affiliate links on my side. It lets those sponsors know that you are getting there from me. And I want to say thank you to Sulky, who is a sponsor in Havel Sewing and Love Patchwork and Quilting. I really appreciate them. And hopefully Hobbs will be back soon. We really appreciate Hobbs batting for all the sponsorship that they gave us. And also So Sorted as well. Michelle was amazing. She still helps me out. She's just full and can accept clients. But... So Sorted is a virtual assistant for the creative community. So if that's something that you need, you can probably reach out to her at SoSorted.com and just say, hey, this is what I need. Do you think you can accommodate me? Michelle is awesome. So I think that is about it. I, I, I just cannot tell you how many times I think about this podcast, how many times I think that this is the thing that I want to see take off in my creative world because when I talk to these creatives I get so inspired I get so energized to listen to their stories to to listen to their passion and that all takes sponsorship and I hate to say that and I hate to bring that up but you know what that's just it so listeners I need you go band together tell these sponsors thank you leave me reviews and use those affiliate links I would really really greatly appreciate it and I just say buckle up we're gonna have a fun fun season I have some great people coming up and Oh man, I'm just excited. I'm excited. I hope you get some sewing and creative time in and look for another episode soon. I promise I'm not going to let another month go by. Promise. I'm back.